Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Today we're going to talk about the need for salvation. If you were lost and somebody told you the right direction, would you say, you arrogant thing, or would you say to him, thank you? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. By the end of the broadcast, you're going to be saying, thank you, Jesus, for showing us the right way. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Good to have you here today. I'm going to start a series and I'm calling it Fundamentals of the Faith. And although I've had different uh, foundational truths for the Word of God, this one has to do mainly with church. Why do we do what we do? Why do we have salvation calls? And why do we have water baptisms? And why do we have communion? Why do we have praise and worship at the beginning of a service? Why not somewhere else? And why even have praise and worship at all? Why do we use oil and anoint people for healing? Well, we're gonna find out why these things are so essential for a church service. And basically you go to churches, you'll find out even though they vary to some degree and maybe announcements are placed in one place or another, why does the church service conduct itself this way? Now I know some of you out there yawning right now thinking, what does this have to do with anything? But I think you're gonna be very much blessed as we get into the need for what we do. Uh, in so many churches you go today, the, uh, the, the ministry for people is behind the scenes. And they take people into a room somewhere and they pray for them to get saved and they pray for them for healing and these types of things lead them into the infilling of the Holy Spirit, whatever, and they don't do it in front of the people. Then they come out maybe next week and say, last week we had somebody saved and people applaud and things like that. But I think there's something important about doing it in front of the people. Some churches I know have communion in a back room somewhere for just those who want to partake of it. But I think it's important we have it in front of everybody, how important it was for Jesus to lead people to himself in front of a crowd, to lay hands on sick people in front of a crowd, to cast out devils in front of a crowd. Why? Because they see the power there. And this is what church is for. It's a break from the world where uh, the things of God are you know, not seen out in public. But when we come to church, man, we need to make a public scene out of it and let people know we're here to change and see the power of God change them. Let's begin with Romans chapter three today. I'm gonna talk today about the need for salvation, but also we're gonna be tying water baptism into this because really water baptism is very simple and really is a symbol, an outward expression of what salvation really is. So we'll cover both of them. And Romans 3.23 says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The word for sin, hamartia in the Greek, simply means this, to miss the mark. We often think of sin as this black thing and the thing that you know it's, it's an abhorrence to God, and it is, but simply means that God has a mark set for us and we cannot hit it. We cannot reach that mark and the mark is perfection. And so everyone has missed and does miss God's mark. That's what this verse is saying. Everyone has sinned and is now sinning, falling short of the glory of God. I want you to notice that all have sinned is past tense and fall short of the glory of God is present tense. So the moral and the immoral both have no personal righteousness and they cannot walk in righteousness if they don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Romans chapter three and verse 10 says this, there is none righteous, no, not one. Glory of God. When it says in this verse of scripture, we all fall short of the glory of God. The word glory, which is doxa, it's where we get doxology from. It refers to the light or the brilliance of God. It simply comes back to this. We have fallen short of God's glory, his approval, his standard. And his standard for coming into heaven is to have his own righteousness, to be as righteous as God is. How in the world can we do that? 
Well, God's standard for eternal life is his holiness. We have to be as holy as God. Well, I know what you're immediately thinking. You know, well, I know that's impossible. Even as a Christian, sometimes we lose sight of the fact that God's standard is absolute perfection for getting into heaven. And to be honest with you, once you're born again, his standard for your daily life is absolutely perfection, but he has ways of coming back to him to try again. If we miss God's mark in our daily life, we can come back, get repentance, forgiveness, and hand toward that. And really the standard of God as far as salvation is instantaneous. The moment you receive Jesus, you are the righteousness of God. You are the holiness of God, and you now stand in his very image. Then begins the lifelong pursuit of walking daily in that to where our daily life lines up with what we are on the inside, and that is we walk in holiness even as we are holy. This verse is saying something interesting, for all have sinned, past tense, and daily fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned is past tense, fall short is present tense. So again, we are not sinners because we sin, we sin because we are sinners. Oftentimes we get this idea, well, again, uh, we we're sinners, uh, because we sin, that's the way the world looks at it. And so oftentimes we as Christians look at it, well, he's a sinner because he sins. I mean, look at all these things he does, that shows he's a sinner. But there can be a righteous person that even walks in sin sometimes, and that righteous person, how they deal with sin is different than how a sinner deals with sin. When a sinner deals with sin, he has to come and ask for salvation. But once you receive salvation, then we can also then begin to attack the daily sins that come into our life. And if we fall for it, God will forgive us of that. Again, there is a difference between a sinner coming to the Lord to get rid of his sin and a Christian coming to the Lord to get rid of daily sins. And so we sin because we are sinners. For all have sinned, past tense, and fall short, present tense. We could say this, are falling short of the glory of God. When did all sin? This verse says, for all have sinned. That's every person that ever lived. Listen to this. All can also mean all who have not even been born yet, as well as those who have born and been and had died and those who are alive today and have not accepted Jesus. It simply says everyone has sinned. And because of that, we fall short of the glory of God. So all have sinned. When did that happen? It was in Adam. What Adam did passed on to everyone. What Adam did passed on to all mankind after him. Adam and Eve marched us into the slave market. And when they did, the door was closed behind them. There is no exit from that from the inside. Someone on the outside has to open the door. So Adam and Eve were in the slave market and all the children are born in the slave market. And that means we're all born into this earth in slavery. We are all born sinners. We are all in sin and therefore because of Adam. But there came a day when Jesus Christ came to this earth through the virgin birth and opened the door. In his resurrection, he opened up the door to eternal life. And now all we have to do is just walk out the door stands wide open. We don't have to do any work to get out. We just need to walk out. The great invitation for the sinner today is the door has been opened. Jesus has paid the price and you can now come out of that slave market. Just walk out. And so in, in Adam, everyone dies. But if you go out of there and enter into Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, in Christ shall all be made alive. I have done that. At a very young age, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, walked out of that slave market and walked into Jesus Christ. I'm no longer in Adam, I'm in Christ. 
And so that's the essence of why we have a salvation message in church. I would say this, probably 95, 96% of all the people attending a church service are probably already Christians. They don't come there to get saved. They come there because they are saved. And if a person comes to church because they are saved, they're coming for a different reason than a sinner coming to get saved. A Christian coming because he is saved is coming to grow in the Lord and become a disciple of the Lord. Uh, that's the major reason why we have church for the perfecting of the saints. But we also want to include a simple salvation message in our sermon so that somebody there who doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior can be saved. First Corinthians 14 tells us that sinners come to church. Again, by comparison, mainly believers come to church. Throughout the word of God, the assembly of the saints was called that the assembly of the saints and the meeting together of the family of God and uh, the righteous, the, the habitation of the righteous, all these different titles are given to the church service. In that day, it was the temple. Today, it's the local church. But again, it's so that showing that the main reason why we have church is for the family of the righteous to come and receive teaching on how to follow God even greater every day. So it comes back to this. If I am a sinner and I sin because I am a sinner, not knowing Jesus Christ, then I can't quit sinning and no longer be a sinner. I have to quit being a sinner so I can no longer commit sin. You don't become a sinner by sinning. You sin because of the nature that's in you from birth. So your nature must be changed before your actions can change. Jesus came to change our nature first, then to change our actions. He saved us from sin, but guess what? After that, he's also come to save us from sinning. And this is how come the new birth comes. The new birth comes to save us from sin, but then the word of God comes and the teaching of the word of God comes and the power of the Holy Spirit into our life helps us then to save us from sinning. Nicodemus was a religious leader. He was a moral sinner in his day. In fact, he was not only a religious leader, he was pretty high ranking among them. He was a Pharisee. A Pharisee was to the higher ranking to where they went all the way up to again, the chief of the Pharisees, but he was a man of the uh, Pharisees. His name was Nicodemus. In John chapter three, I want you to turn there. We're gonna take a look at verses one through nine. And while you are finding that, I wanna address those who are my uh, partners in this ministry. And I trust each one of you partners are faithful to go to church. Don't just, you know, don't just lean on me or somebody else that you watch on TV or, or listen to us on YouTube or something like that. I mean, that's fine. That's wonderful. That's supplemental, but you can't live on supplements. Okay. You can't live on vitamins during the week. You have to go to someplace to get a meal. And that meal is where the church is. And so I want to thank you again for not only supporting this ministry, but supporting your own local church with your tithes and your offerings there. For those of you that are not partnering with me, I'm simply here to supplement. I am not a church. I and what's known as a parachurch. I teach the word of God. I, my whole thing is to get you into church because I'm not your pastor and every one of you need a pastor. But my main reason for teaching is to help perfect saints so that we can make disciples out of Christians, make followers out of people that love Jesus and now want to follow him daily. That's what this ministry is all about. And so I'm here to help develop people for the ministry. I'm here to help people who are in ministry. But you know what? To help people go into the ministry doesn't mean you stand behind a pulpit. Everything you do is a ministry and your calling may be where you work. This is to enhance your ministry. 
So I'm simply asking, would you become a partner with me? You can go to my website, bobyandian.com and find a place on there where you can join me as a partner. And listen, whatever God lays on your heart to give, find, or whatever you purpose in your heart, you can give. And so again, I'm looking forward to it because every bit that you give, I mean, small amounts, large amounts, all go together and it all goes together to help this ministry go on because we're looking to expand in the days to come. More stations, uh, just different things that we want to do and God's laid upon our heart are just some things I want to do that line up with righteousness and God will bless this. If you'd like to become a part of this and see us expand and do even greater things, then why don't you again become a partner with me? Go to bobyandian.com. There's a place on there you can become a partner with me and I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Let me give you a little background on Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a man that was, like it says, as a Pharisee. We'll find this out in the verse of scripture we're gonna look at. But being a Pharisee, you know, he was so devoted to to that religion, but yet he saw things in Jesus he had never seen before. It didn't line up with the the Jewish religion, didn't line up with the Pharisee belief of that day. And he wanted to see Jesus, so he had to come to him at night. And he came to him really kind of separate himself so that he could question him without being condemned by the Pharisees around him or even ostracized. When we come back after the break, we're going to talk about this because this man eventually accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, was even present at the uh, graveside of Jesus. And his name is mentioned there uh, in those that helped carry his body over to there. So again, Nicodemus was a man that went through a dramatic change in his life, coming with probably the same questions you do. And we're going to talk about how that God blessed him, how that God opened up his heart, and how he received Jesus as Lord and Savior. I'll see it right after halftime. In chapter 9, verse 2, Job asked the question, but how can a man be righteous with God? On our own, not one of us can ever approach God. A sinful human cannot be joined to a righteous God. A mediator must come in between and draw the two together. The cross of Jesus is where God and man meet. The only thing that can unite man with God is the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Our Redemption is an in-depth seven-part study on the redemptive work of Jesus Christ by Pastor Bob Yenian. Message titles include The God-Man, Son of the Living God, The Character of God, The Virgin Birth, Jesus, Our Scapegoat, The Heart of the Earth, and Reconciled to God. To order Our Redemption, visit our website at bobbyandian.com. Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Many years ago, I wrote the book called God's Word to Pastors, and now I have updated it. Many new things I have seen from the Word of God applied into this book, and you're gonna be greatly blessed by it. I'm called to be a pastor, I trust you are too, and you will wanna get this book and become greatly impressed by what Paul had to say to pastors in Acts chapter 20, as well as what Jesus Christ has to say to you today. This is my book, God's Word to Pastors. To order your copy, visit our website at bobbyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership.
Let's take a look at John chapter three. We're gonna take a look at verses one through nine. And here's the story where Jesus met Nicodemus. Nicodemus met Jesus. Nicodemus is impressed with Jesus, but doesn't have any idea what this guy's doing. How do you do what you do? And it says in John 3, one, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. Now, I guess he was speaking for the rest of them too, the other, uh, the other Pharisees and said, we do know your teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him and said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus was trying to butter up Jesus just a little bit. You're a great man. We know all these things. And Jesus went right to the point. Nicodemus, to get into my kingdom, you have to be born again. Now, those terms made no sense to Nicodemus. Verse four, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit. Water is by the will of the word of God, the water of the washing of the word, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the convicting ministry. He simply put it under two things, the word and the spirit agree in everything, and especially in salvation. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Nicodemus, you've already been born once by the flesh. Your mother produced you, but I'm talking about a birth from the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit births is your human spirit. Notice there, that which is born of the spirit, capital S is spirit, small s. So your flesh on the outside was born of flesh, but your inside, your heart, your spirit was born of the Holy Spirit. Verse seven, don't marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone who's born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus said, like the wind is blowing around, you can't see it, but you can see the effect of it. He says, quit looking at the effects and wondering how this comes to pass when you understand the wind. You understand how the wind blows, that there's a reality to the wind. It's tangible, but yet when it blows, you can see the effects of it, but you can't see the wind. So is those who are born of the spirit. I'm talking about something, Nicodemus, that happens in an invisible world, but is just as real as the wind around you. That's why Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Nicodemus had never heard anything like this. Nicodemus was a religious, moral sinner. Now, there's other sinners in his day and in ours today that are filled with sin and immoral sinners. But the point of it is they have one word in common, they're a sinner. If they're a moral sinner or if they're an immoral sinner, they're still a sinner. You don't get to heaven by being moral and you don't go to hell by being immoral. You go to hell because you're a sinner. You go to heaven because you're no longer a sinner. And that's what you get rid of. The fact that I have been born again, I am no longer a sin. Does Bob still commit sin? Yes, there's times I do, but I go to the Lord with a different thing than when I got born again. I don't have to ask him to get born again because sinning doesn't make me a sinner. Adam made me a sinner. I changed my nature on the inside, but because I'm still wrapped up in this flesh around me, there's times I miss God. But I go directly to Jesus Christ. I confess my sins. He's faithful and just to forgive me my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I don't have to accept him today as my savior. I already did that. Now I go to him as my great high priest and I confess that one sin. 
When I went to him before, I didn't confess my sins. I confessed him as the Lord of my life, accepted him as the Lord of my life, and he cleansed all my sin. He forgave all my sin and gave me his very nature on the inside because I was born again. And now that I am born again, again, I can come before the great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, come boldly into his presence, confess that sin that I've committed. He's faithful and just to forgive it and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. But I'm going to heaven. You know why? Not because I'm moral or immoral, not because I miss it or don't miss it. I'm going to heaven because one day I accepted Jesus and I am no longer a sinner. I am not a sinner saved by grace. I used to be a sinner. Now I have been saved by grace. Yes, I can still commit a sin because I have the flesh, but inside of me, I am no longer a sinner. The Holy Spirit lives in me where before that, nothing lived inside of me except for spiritual death. Now I have spiritual life living on the inside of me. Nicodemus was religious caught up in moral works and in good works. Again, he had no concept of grace, could not understand what seemed impossible, that it was possible through God's power and goodness. He had never been taught about a new birth because of his religion, as all religions do. All your works that you give to God, again, is how you get saved or how you get to go to heaven. In other words, I look at it this way. Here's religion, and Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with God, and it comes by simple faith. But in all religions, it's all based on your works. In religion, man does all the work. He gives it to God. Because man did all the work, God takes it and God receives it, but man gets all the credit. Whoever does all the work gets the credit. So man did all the work. He gives it to God. God receives it. Man gets all the credit. In Christianity, God did all the work. He gives it to man, man receives it, and God gets all the glory. We do nothing except reach out and take the finished work of God. It's not we do all the work and hand it to God and he receives it. No, that's religion, and that will not work. Works cannot save us, and works cannot unsave us. Titus 3, 5. He saved us not by works we have done in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 64 and verse six, we have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Romans chapter six, verses 20 through 22 says, when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves now of God, the fruit that leads you to sanctification and to its end is eternal life. What's he simply saying? As a sinner, your good works could not make you righteous. As righteous, your bad works cannot make you a sinner. We owe a debt to those who are not saved, and that's how we spread the gospel. Here we come back to it again. Understanding all I'm teaching you right now shows you the essence of salvation. You don't go to a person and tell them that because they're a sinner, they somehow need to change their lifestyle. No, we tell them that getting rid of being a sinner is a free gift of God, a free work of the Holy Spirit, a miraculous work, a miracle power of God that changes you from a sinner into a saint. But the point of it is we went witness to people out of the world, but there's also a time in church where we see people come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. The majority of people are always going to be one in the world. Why the Great Commission doesn't say go into all the churches and preach the gospel. It says go into all the world and preach the gospel, but we still have people saved in church. This is why in a church service, it's very important 
that a minister, while he's preaching the word of God, weave in a simple plan of salvation. Your message can be to Christians on, say, marriage, and it can be on, say, you know, uh, uh, being honest before the world, walking in righteousness before the world. It can be on being filled with the Holy Spirit. It can be talking about how your ministry is to the world. But in the meantime, you need to weave in a simple salvation message, and at the end, give an opportunity for those that don't know Jesus to find him as Lord and Savior. If one comes down, hallelujah. If 10 come down, hallelujah. If nobody comes down, hallelujah, because everyone attending is a Christian. But you've also informed them of every person, no matter how they live their life, give people an opportunity to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. And to me, that's one of the greatest things about a church service is really the most important thing. There was not Bob learning more in church, but to actually see a person pass from death to life. Did you know angels don't rejoice over one Christian that learns more about the word of God, but angels do rejoice over one sinner that repents? This is why Jesus came. He came to seek and to save those which was lost. And we need to make it a 24-hour day job, not to exclude church and only preach it to the world, but also include church for someone or a few people that might be there that don't know Jesus. Or perhaps you'll see 20, 30, or 40 receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. What a great time that is. But the angels rejoice over each one of them individually. And if only one would have received Jesus, there would have been a party in heaven. Romans chapter one, verse 14 through 16, Paul says, I am a debtor. He means I'm under obligation. There is a debt that's been given to me from heaven, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise, that's educated, and to the foolish, uneducated. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul now mentions that we have a responsibility as Christians to the world to teach them about Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but every church has a responsibility to preach to that congregation and minister to them, to bring them up, grow them up the things of God, but also include a plan of salvation where if anybody has come in, any Christian has brought an unbeliever in. We know when the man was healed, at the gate, beautiful. He followed Peter and John into the temple. So the gospel in this verse of scripture is for all people, every nation, every color, a male, female, educated, uneducated. The gospel is for men and women. The gospel is for old and young. The gospel is for those who have been to college or maybe never even graduated from high school. It's for everybody because the plan of salvation is so simple. The Bible says a fool could not err in it. So there's no excuse for not accepting Jesus. I'm too old. I'm too young. You know, old people often say, well, I'm too old to receive Jesus. Man, I mean, old people in the Bible receive. I don't like people waiting until the last minute to receive him, but the grace of God extends to you. Some people say, well, I'm too young. I want to live my life first and give my life to the Lord later. I heard a story about a woman one time that was the pastor's wife and there was a young girl in the church and she's, you know, and uh, the the woman was talking to her said, listen, I know you don't come to church very often. She said, but you need to really get your life right with God. I know you've accepted Jesus, but you know what? You need to do more than that. You need to give your life to him in daily service. The girl said, no, no, I'm too young. I'm having a lot of fun and I'm enjoying myself. And one day when I'm older and I've passed all these fun things, I'm gonna, again, dedicate the rest of my life to the Lord at that time. And so the pastor's wife said, well, I think you're wrong. And so she said, but we still love you here at the church anyway. One day, this young girl, there was a knock at the door and this man delivered some flowers to her. And, you know, she opened up the box and looked in it because there was flowers, but she noticed something. These flowers look kind of old and wilted. 
And the little girl, you know, thought, what is this? And so she didn't know what to do, didn't know what to say. And so she thought, why would somebody send me some flowers that, that have been, you know, it looks like they enjoyed them, then now they've given them to me. So the girl went to church as she normally did, not really wanting to live for the Lord. And the pastor's wife came over and said, do you enjoy the flowers I gave you? She said, yeah, but they were so old. She said, I know, but you know what? I enjoyed them for quite a few weeks and they looked like they still had a little life left in them, so I gave them to you. And the girl said, why did you do that? And she said, well, I thought if they had a little bit of life, you could give them. And, and she said, I know I could have given them to you when the flowers were new, but couldn't you give your life to Jesus when now that you're young? Why would you want to use up your life and then give your life and you've only got a little bit of time left to the Lord? The little girl understood and all of a sudden repented. And not only on that day was she a Christian, that day she started becoming a disciple working in the church. So it simply comes back to this. There's no excuse for not accepting Jesus. And there's no excuse for a church not to give an invitation. So at the end of it, don't say, oh, here we go again leading somebody to Jesus, the greatest part of the service is to see one person find Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. See you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.